Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Joelle Malm, who is an author, leadership coach, and founder of Summit Leaders. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. If you've been tuning in, thanks for your continued support and generosity in, uh, in liking and subscribing, rating our podcast. That is the best way to support us or sharing it with a friend. And so please feel encouraged and empowered to do so. In this conversation today, I speak with Joelle Malm, who's an author, leadership coach, and founder of Summit Leaders. We talk about his life of travel. He's traveled to a lot of countries. I will let you hear firsthand how many countries, or at least he thinks he's visited at this point. We talk about his leadership uh, summit experiences, going to some of the biggest mountains, Machu Picchu, Mount Kilimanjaro, for leadership adventures. Um, And then we look into his latest book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Do you ever feel like you're in a season, perhaps dark night of the soul, uh, perhaps a season of uncertainty, you're not hearing the voice of God or direction of where to go? Well, we have all been there and that is a part of the Christian life and Christian journey. And so I would encourage you to, to lean in and to press in to where God has you. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Joel. And so would love to, to kick things off and, and get going. Um, I notice I'm video, you know, doing a video call right now and I see a map behind you and have was looking more into you know some of your background and you have traveled to a lot of countries. Can you would you mind sharing how many countries you're currently you've currently visited or have traveled to at, at this stage of life? Uh it's somewhere over 70. I kind of stopped Stop keeping track of it. But uh, yeah, somewhere over 70. Wow. So we're always always going new places and yeah. Yeah. And so can you, was that, is that mainly through summit leaders or is that just kind of personal travel? Yeah, I, mean, I grew up as a missionary kid. Okay. So uh, we were in Guatemala. I was about I was 11 years old and my, my dad hauled us down to Central America and while I was down there, we visited most of Central America and mm-hmm. drove through Mexico a handful of times from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so we, that's kind of what started it. And then during college, I started climbing mountains. That took me different mm-hmm. places in Africa and mm-hmm. Russia. And, uh, and then I was in Australia. Yeah, I did backpacking through Australia and New Zealand for mm-hmm. a few months. And um, then I started leading backpacking teams around the world for four months at a time. So we would do, mm-hmm. you know, we'd do round trip. We'd fly to Hong yeah. Kong, work our way through China, up into Mongolia, Tibet, and back. And then I had another one where we flew one way to Central America and worked our way back to the U.S. border by ground. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of time, you cover, cover, start covering a few countries. So, right. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, just to, I, I think, I guess, uh, kick things off, would love to, to chat a bit more about Summit Leaders and then kind of get to some of the latest work that you've been doing. And so... Can you just kind of walk us through? So you know you're an adventure man. You've you're well traveled, and um, I know you know Summit Leaders is a is a really cool experience for a lot of leaders. But um, would you just kind of you know mind giving us a snapshot and just what kind of that that looks like? You know, from day one to to the end of this adventure. Yeah. So I had been doing the four month trips, and mm-hmm. I went and got a master's degree 
while I was getting that master's degree in counseling, got married, mm-hmm. and I realized four-month trips were not really feasible being married. So I regrouped, and I had an idea. I went to a big conference in an arena, and there were you know, 15,000 people there, and I thought, what would it be like to get that speaker up there that's speaking to 15,000? Have him come speak to 15 while we're hiking to Machu Picchu or climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. That's the original vision. And, uh, you know, I contacted a bunch of authors and, uh, they all kind of said, mm. yeah, no, <laughs> but, uh, I read a book by a guy named Mark Batterson in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, mm. woke up the morning after I finished it, felt like the Lord told me, contact him. He's your guy. And, mm. uh, so I guessed at his email address at four 30 in the morning and, you know, I figured maybe it might filter his way through to him. Well, I went back to bed. A couple hours later, I wake up. There's an email from him in response. Hmm. says, I'm all over this idea. Let's do it. And a few weeks later, I was sitting with him at Ebenezer's Coffee Shop there Hmm. in D.C. And he's like, I want to become a shareholder in this. He actually helped me get the thing started. And he Hmm. was went on my first three, probably first three major trips we did. We did Machu Picchu. uh, We rafted Grand Canyon. We did a trip through Yosemite and climbed Half Dome. Then I think I did another trip to Maine with him. Hmm. That was the beginning of it. So, uh... We got started getting authors like that. They would hike with us. And then hmm. uh, a couple authors started writing about it, and we had no shortage of people. So hmm. um, lately, it's just I kind of am the speaker for the trips. I coordinate the trips, mm-hmm. and we've got all sorts of people signing up. We've got two main ones we do every year. We do at Machu Picchu every year, and then we do a trip to Israel where we hike kind of in the footsteps of Jesus. Hmm. And those are, and then we, you know, last year I did a trip to Maine again. And so we alternate different trips in and out. But that's how we do it, and it's basically mm-hmm. leadership training on the trail, kind of the way Jesus would have done it. We're just hanging out and talking together, and that's how the best stuff happens. It's interesting that I just kind of one of the things I discovered doing this is you know we have world class leadership experts on the hike, mm-hmm. but what was fascinating is I do a I do a survey afterwards, um, mm-hmm. and this is nothing against the speakers, but most of the people what they commented on is not what the speaker said. What they commented on is a relationship they struck up with somebody on the trail. They said, I never would have connected with somebody like this otherwise. And we're still in touch, you know, and uh, we're still friends. And it just built this connection in such a short period of time. It's three, four days mm-hmm. that I've, I've never had with anybody that I've been working with for months or years. So I, I started right. realizing that the speaker was kind of the catalyst that got everybody together. But it was what happened in the relationships on the trail that really made the difference. Hmm. And that was where I kind of realized, oh, well, maybe we could pull this off without the big name speaker. So hmm. um, that's kind of how we roll now. And I usually fill up the trips pretty quickly with hmm. no big name on it. So awesome. And so I, you mentioned Machu Picchu. I've been there myself, and someone at, you know at our at the church I attend just got back last week as well. And I know it's no small feat to uh, to you know kind of attack the the elevation of Machu Picchu and so these you know how I guess how serious are these hikes you know I, I've I, you must learn a lot about your your own kind of you know endurance and yeah. learn about well, others kind of in struggling too there's different ways to do Machu Picchu uh, we have the hard right. way which is the four days where we hike 28 miles in up over 14,000 feet that's the really hard way that's what we did with Mark that's uh, the official Inca trail there's other ways to get there. There's the five-day trek. Um, then there's right. the one-day. And then right. there's the... You can get up there on the bus, too. But um, right. uh, we, we typically do the hike in. And uh, I'm actually doing it in a few weeks. And we're actually kind of changing it up. We're going to be doing some really high-altitude stuff. And then we'll be just doing a one-day hike in Machu Picchu. So there's lots of ways to do it. Uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, the only way to do it is just suck it up and do the altitude. So wow. um, first time I did that, I actually got altitude sickness. didn't make it to the top. The right. second time I, I did it, right. I... 
by the grace of God, I made it to the top. Um, yeah. I went in with a lot more fear and trembling. You just mm. altitude is one of those things that you can be in the best shape of your life, but if your body just decides, no, not going to happen today, it shuts down, acute mountain sickness hits, and once you've got it, you're not getting rid of it. The only way to get rid of it is to get down, down the mountain. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot of learned a lot of hard lessons about altitude, hydration. Hydration is usually kind of at the dehydration is right. the cause of most altitude sickness. Right. I think so. Right. So if, you know, if in that in that case for you, so like since you were kind of coordinating, leading the trip, do you guys just all head back down and then try and then try again the no, next day, or how does that work? Well, thank thank the Lord, the first trip where I didn't make it, I wasn't in charge. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, right. uh, but uh, typically, I have. I also bring. I always bring local guides. I gotcha. don't want my yeah. own inability to not make it to keep other guys from doing it. So we've usually got. Uh, well, I always joke. I always have three three point five guides. I've got a local guy up front. I got a local guy in the middle. I got a local guy in the back, and then me. I'm the point five. I kind of rotate between all five of them. And, eventually where we get, get where we need to go, whether it's with me or without me. So nice. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, I know how important that is. We, we went to, my wife and I went to, um, we're just in Brazil for about two weeks last, we just got back last week and, um, we went to Christ the Redeemer and there's like, you're right. There's like four ways. I mean, it's so well known. There's like four ways to get up. And, uh, we, we opted for the hike, which was, you know, it was like a 90 minute hike. Um, but even that, we're like, you were like lost looking at our map, trying to figure out, and we, you really do need a guide to, to help you navigate, help you kind of course correct and, uh, and keep you honest. And so, um, I guess, you know, and then spiritually, you know, that connects because Jesus is our guide as well, leading us. And so how, how do you kind of integrate the spiritual component of leadership into this, you know, relational trust building, you know, how is that fostered in these trips as well? Yeah, well... Typically, you know, I, I come in with a theme. We're going to talk about this, but right. usually it's it's just kind of to point people in the right direction, something to think about. But usually, what happens with people on the trips is they, you know, they bring what they're dealing with to the to the trail, and they kind of connect up with somebody that the Lord puts in their path to, to help them with that. So mm. uh, we have themes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like the one I'm doing this year. I'm doing based on my new book, Connecting the Dots. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going a few weeks, so a little devotional every evening I used to do it in the morning but I found most people were so nervous about whether they're going to be able to complete the hike in the morning so they couldn't pay any attention so the, the devotional usually worked better in the evening and people were kind of like I made it through the day so right. that was the way we'd close out the evening Yeah. Uh, so I'll be doing that based on connecting the dots in the past I've done it based on other books I've done um, different authors they do it based on you know whatever book they're most recently working on usually so. yeah yeah and so well that's a good segue I have the book right here connecting the dots and so what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. And um, I know I certainly have had those experiences. I'm sure you know many listeners have had those experiences. And uh, I know in the moment, at least, you know, when um, I was you know, reading and, you know, when a, a friend of yours or a colleague of yours asked you to go to Mexico, you weren't really sure if that was the, the, the you know, the way to go. But, you know, somehow, you know, God was, you know, using that story to become part of a bigger story and so would love just to kind of hear about the genesis of this book and you know what what, yeah what prompted you to write this well what's interesting about this book is the story i tell of us moving to mexico i had just actually talked to mark about starting this organization and i thought that was the direction i was going we're going to start doing these outdoor adventures Hmm. so i was like that's where i'm going and then right in the middle i got a phone call from a friend of mine he said i think i think god's asking us to invite you to come and take over our ministry in mexico Mm-hmm. And I had visions in my mind of being out climbing mountains, and this was living on the coast in 
Mexico, in a rough part of Mexico. Right. I love Mexico, but this would not have been my optimal choice. Uh, but uh, it was it was wild because it was we went down there, ended up going down there for a year. It was an absolutely probably the most challenging year in my life up to that point. Right. Uh, just struggle after struggle. We had our house broken into, had our life threatened by the gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly harassed by corrupt cops. Constantly stuff was breaking down on me. It was just one challenge after another. And I'm thinking, I was looking forward to going over here and hiking mountains. And in the meantime, I'm down here doing all this work I never would have expected or really wanted. Mm-hmm. But it was in that season that it's it's funny because I... I my first book, Vision Map. I there's there's this one. I, I it's all the high points of coming to start. Vision Map is about how I started the outdoor adventures, but I left this story out because at the time it didn't fit into the story I was telling. Sure. So I have all this stuff, and I what I didn't mention is that process of making that outdoor organization come to pass. It actually took about three years, and one of those years was this absolute horrible year I spent in Mexico. But I just left it out of the story, which right. I think we all have. We all have chapters in our life where we just go, ah, that, that was just a waste. Like, what a setback. Or, wow. You know, it seemed like a waste of time. And we leave it out of our story. But as the story right. continues and you see history, his, his story working out in your life, you tend mm-hmm. to look back and go, the chapter that I would have rather just forgotten about or ignored was probably where the deepest, most transformative work happened as you look back. That's where hmm. Kierkegaard said, life is lived forward, but it can only be understood looking backward. Hmm. And I realized that with me, and that's why, you know, here I am. 12 years later writing the book telling the story about that and I realized just how much he worked in me in that one year he called it boot camp that one right. year spiritual boot camp um, that at the time felt like a total waste of my young life I was like what a waste of a good year of my youth but hmm. it was really deeply transformative so that's really fascinating because you said that you had a conversation or you know there's these moments in our life of someone speaking into our life you have an inspiration or kind of an idea is catalyzed and then something you know you think you're gonna go right into it but then this looks like a little you know a bit of a detour and so you know as you were yeah I guess now that you're reflecting back on that that moment right you mentioned this was a redemptive transformative year of your life what were how do you view that now and you know in I guess even in relation to you know when you when you wrote the other book and said ah, I think this is a chapter I'm gonna I'm gonna skip on skip on yeah, well, you know what, <laughs> I think, you know, we're all about the visionary books, right? Right. As type A types, right? We want, we want to know about starting something. And, and uh, that whole experience in Mexico, in my in my short-sighted perspective, was a total failure. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, who likes to write about their failures? Everybody wants to read about your successes. We don't, you know, you never read a book like Seven Keys to Failure. Mm-hmm. You read a book, Seven Keys to Success, sure. we want to like, Tell me about sure. your success, but there's always, there. first of all, there are no overnight success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends that just really started hitting it big, hmm. and I was joking with them. I was like, man, you guys are like a 10-year overnight success story. And they're like, exactly, a 10-year overnight year success overnight. story. Right. We all see them pop on the radar, and we're like, they came out of nowhere. But there was a lot of ground that they had to plow to right. get to where they were. And uh, that, that's just, I mean, that's the same thing here and, uh, you know, in my in my life, let's say some of the practical things that I learned mm-hmm. 12 years ago in this experience, I'm just now seeing them come to fruition in my, first of all, in my uh, my confidence and courage to attack mm-hmm. certain things that I never would have even thought capable of before. I learned some really practical skills in Mexico, even just how to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I, we just kind of, we just built a retreat center here in, in the hills of Texas. Right. And um, I built a lot of those by hand. 
and I learned how to fix stuff in Mexico. And I never, you know, for that, I'd look at it and be like, I don't know how to fix that. I just give up, you know, call yeah. me to fix it. Right. But I had to learn how to do electrical work. I had to learn how to do yeah. plumbing. I had to learn how to, all that stuff works. So when I started this retreat center, it was, I mean, obviously it was still way over. It took a lot of work, but I was, it gave me just enough confidence that I think I was, I don't know if it's hubris or God driven or what, hmm. it was just, or if I was just stupid enough to try it, but it was, it got me into it and hmm. I got in way over my head, of course, Right. but it gave me the courage to like, I think I can do this. And so many times in our life, we just, you know, you think you're helpless and then you get thrown in a situation where like, wow, there's a lot more in me than I thought was in me, but you had to be in a situation that overwhelmed you for that to come out. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And I think just in the, the connection point, right? I mean, that's the title of connecting the dots. It's, it's actually really funny timing. Just last week, I was having com- a conversation with a pastor here in Worcester and we were talking about some of these dots in our life and like how we're now just coming to realization and for him he he was an engineer for years and then really started to get a prompting from the Lord to become a pastor Mm. and he you know and then he became a pastor and then kind of on that moment he's like wow this is my calling and then he's like I don't know why I I was an engineer now you know you're thinking why why did I you know do all this time all this effort all this energy in this space you know go to school work and then now he just um like the way that circumstances lined up um there is some he just became a chaplain to like a uh, an engineering school here in worcester and he was like wow i never knew that this was how god was going to use me as part of his story right to step into the work that he's calling me to here and it was just like this you know you don't always know it in the moment but then you look back and you it's just that it's that perspective from perhaps from above right or that wisdom from above i'm i'm reminded in proverbs or in james and so and then same for me too i you know it was, it was really funny just last just last month i became a soccer coach and uh, i grew up playing soccer you know loved coaching soccer and now stepping in into this position that I thought was kind of like above what I was kind of able to do in, in this stage of life. And I think God just opened the door, prepared me for it. And now it's I see it as a ministry. You know, our, mm. our, our coaches, our people of faith, we're trying to cultivate really like just a, a, a healthy, good environment. And it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's in a secular school. It's in a school that's not a faith-based, you know college or and and so just really interesting to see how god uses these experiences these moments from our past and then gives greater light and insight into wow okay and that preparation for it as well and so it, it i just thought it was really funny timing as you're as you're sharing this book right now and i'm we're doing this interview i said wow that's actually this is what i've been reflecting on as well yeah i think i think the longer you live the more you begin to see wow god god really doesn't waste anything he right if you'll give him everything They'll make something amazing of it. Right. So there's just a few things I want to touch on here in the book. And um, you mentioned this circular kind of story trajectory. Can you just explain what, what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, don't, you know, I don't think any of us like the idea of walking in circles. <laughs> right, right. God's work in our life looks more like an ever-widening spiral than it does a straight line. It's where we find ourselves coming back to certain themes. Mm-hmm certain maybe even time frames maybe certain locations you're like i can't believe i'm back here but here i am uh, mm-hmm. that's the story with me i i grew up here in this little town and i vowed to never come back and then here i am 30 years later right, right. building retreats that are in this little town and now thanks i'm like 
Actually, I kind of like it here. As a kid, I hated it. But right. I'm like, wow, that's actually a great place to raise a family. <laughs> and so yep. God knows, yeah. you know. And, and there's a verse, Psalm 23, we're very familiar with it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd who leads yeah. me in paths of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that Hebrew word path is fascinating. Magol is the word, M-A-G-O-L. Mm-hmm. And it means paths made of circles. And there's all sorts of conjecture about, you know, the, the Hebrew scholars say that means doing the cyclical patterns of the festivals every year, celebrating those, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's multi-layered, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, that layer, those layers means is God likes to bring us back to these certain themes. There's a, 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 a verse in Romans that Paul says, mm-hmm. the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What he's put in you, he put in you for a reason. He likes what he put in you. Mm. And he's going to stop at nothing to make sure you become the fullness of what he put in you. Mm-hmm. And the way he does that is by gently leading you like a shepherd. He can't lead you straight up the hill. You just can't handle it. So he gently leads you in this circular pattern like switchbacks on a mountain mm-hmm. up the hill to where he, where the good stuff is. Uh, but it, it, it's, a, it's a slow process. I wish it was mm-hmm. A, B, then C, and we're there. But it's just mm-hmm. more like, oh, we're doing this again, and oh, that again, and... But it's these gifts and callings that keep coming back around. You just mentioned that again. You said that where you're doing the soccer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, there was some soccer in your past, some mm-hmm. coaching or something like that in your past. So it's God, he develops it. And in each season, right. God looks different. We realize things about ourselves we didn't see in ourselves before. And he's gently leading us to right where he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it looks like a circular pattern. So in the book, I have this little right. spiral. And I, I believe that in every season of life, there's about nine I call them waypoints, that's a hiking term. But there's about nine stages in every season that we tend to go through. And at any point in your life, you can kind of look at this pattern in the book and say, oh, I'm here. And my goal was to make it like a mall map. So you go, Mm. you know, you you may feel like you're wandering, but actually it's part of a process that God Mm -hmm. works in. So as you look at that map, you can go, oh, that's where I'm at. And you're right, that's what I'm going through right now. And it's kind of a way to prepare yourself for what you're gonna experience in there. And the goal is to get the most, squeeze the most out of every season that God's put you hmm. in. Even when it's challenging, recognizing, hmm. uh, I trust that God's building something in me for my future right here in this season. Right, right. Yeah, I'm looking at the book now, and you know, there's, a, I think what you're referring to here is the turning point, right? The courage. Yeah, that's the beginning, that's that's the beginning, beginning. of every season. It starts with a turning point. Yeah, something, a, there's a turning point, right? Then there's courage, the guide, right? The yep. decision, the adventure, the dark cave, the resolution, the new perspective, and then the message as well. Yep. And what you see too with that is it actually it follows something that's in writing is called the hero's journey. Every story hmm. we know and love really it follows this, and I believe it's so potent to us because when we read a story, you know, you think about Luke Skywalker, right? Minding his own business, sure. living his life, and all of a sudden two droids show up and changes everything. It's the turning point. Courage is required. He has to decide, I'm going to leave home. I'm going to step out. Hmm. Then Obi-Wan Kenobi, the guide, shows up. And of course, for us, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Jesus left mm-hmm. us the guide. And there's a decision mm-hmm. to say, all right, I'm going all in. I'm, I'm leaving my home and That's I'm going right. to go out into the adventure. He faces a series of challenges, a.k.a. the adventure, G.K. Chesterton. He says, right. an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered. Uh, and then there's this dark cave you face off with, you know, or it's Frodo Baggins having decided, am I going right. to use the ring for my own power or am I going to destroy it? You know, the dark cave or the hero has to face this decisive battle. Mm-hmm. Then they return home. Right. They've got a new perspective on life. And then they come to share that message with those who, uh, who right. never left the Shire, so to speak. Yeah. 
or uh, and, and and that's how oftentimes our survival story becomes somebody else's survival manual. Mm-hmm. We return home with a story of our journey, and God puts us right in contact with somebody that needs that encouragement, saying, that's "Hey, right. here's God's work in my life, and He can do the same in yours." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so, you know, would love folks to, to get a copy of the book as well. And um, just, you know, I don't want to dig too much in, but, you know, if there, is there a particular stage I think that was the most, maybe is most impactful for you or one that you'd, that was the, you know, that took the most time to write, one that was really, wow, this is the one I, you know, yeah. pressed into. Um, so my favorite chapter is probably either de- the decision or the resolution. Mm. Um, but what seems to be resonating most with most people, I've been getting emails hmm. from people literally all over the world, the chapter on the dark cave. Yeah. Um, or the dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul, right. Right. That's <laughs> so that's kind of what seems to be resonating most with people, which I get that, yeah. Um, also, just... Yeah. yeah there's a... I've written several version devotionals, so the Bible... Mm. So if you want to kind of dip your toe in on the idea, figure mm-hmm. out what's, like, what's that circle he was talking about, if you go to the Version Bible app, I actually wrote one called Connecting the Dots. And it's kind of a, just an overview of the book. Mm-hmm. You can get a taste of that. There's also one called The Dark Cave, um, where we just talk about those moments when God seems silent, kind of mm-hmm. seems distant, and how mm-hmm. to deal with that. So yeah. if you want to dip your toe in on it without having to commit to reading a whole book, the Version Bible app uh, has those. Just put in my name, or you can put in Connecting the Dots or The Dark Cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask if that kind of dark night of the soul or if that type of chapter, right, was resonated well, especially, you know, with your connection with leaders, because I know a lot of us in our leadership, in our Christian journey, in our walk, right, we, I think we come to faith in, come to belief, right, for what God has done for us, and then we start to recognize who God is, and what, you know, and who he is, yeah, who he is, and, um, that he and that that's challenging, and I think it, the, the moments of silence, these moments of solitude, these moments of really wrestling, right, the, the wilderness, right, and the temptation, um, really can it, it can be hard when we don't hear from God directly, or we're not we don't feel like that that level of presence, that level of purpose, that level of connection, and understanding of where the direction we're going is as I don't know if visceral is the right word, but it feels like as tangible. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's, yeah, it sounds like that's been something that you've been hearing from a lot of folks in this. Yeah, one, one of the things that I think people have commented on most about the book, I talk about in there, that the dark cave is kind of the testing moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when a teacher's giving you a test, mm. the teacher sits silently in the corner, you raise your hand, teacher, teacher, you know, no, no, put right. your hand down, show me you've internalized what I've been teaching you up to this point. Mm-hmm. And what I say in there is, is what if God's silence is mm-hmm. not a disapproval? It's a sign mm. of his confidence that you're ready to pass the test. Mm. And so many times we look at it as, you know, because in the early part of your walk, you know, you're hearing from the Lord. He's providing the parking spot at the mall right when you ask for it. Right. He's healing everybody you pray for. And then there comes a moment where the relationship seems to turn and you go, did I do something wrong? Hmm. And really what it is, it's God saying, no, it's time now to prove some maturity. And maturity doesn't require turn-by-turn instructions. Hmm. Maturity is doing what you know to do without the affirmation, right. without the turn-by-turns. Oh, and yeah. I believe that his silence, you know, there's a, there's obviously a silence when you're disobedient, but you know when you're being disobedient. The way of the transgressor is hard. It says in Proverbs, you know sure. it, right? But there's sure. a silence. You're like, I'm trying to do everything the Lord's asking of me. And when he's mm-hmm. silent, I, there's a verse in Isaiah that says that when you turn to the left or the right, you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way walk there in it. Mm. What that tells me is if you're not hearing a voice, 
probably on the right path. So stick with the last thing he told you. Right. And Boom. do it and complete it. Mm. When you need new instructions, he'll give it to you. Mm. But in the meantime, stick with the last thing he told you. And his silence isn't his disapproval. It's his confidence that you can pass the test of maturity here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Connecting the Dots is available. It's been available and uh, as long you know, as well as your other books as well. And so just where can folks find you and just stay connected? Yeah, uh, again, there's all these version Bible mm-hmm. reading plans I've written. Uh, joelmalm.com, J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M.com. I send out a weekly Monday, uh, just a short encouraging email uh, with different resources in there, free resources. So you can go to that by mm-hmm. going to joelmalm.com. And um, yeah, that's probably the best way. My dad and I have a podcast as well. It's called The Malm Podcast. It's just me talking about stuff I learned from him growing up. My dad's probably mm. the guy that's most like Jesus that I know. So mm. uh, I love talking to him. And so you can check out the podcast too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I you know this is a blessing to our listeners and, and pray and hope that, you know, they'll continue to, to be yeah impacted and, and start to connect the dots even when it doesn't always make sense. And so thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.